Hi, Gala. Hey, what's up, Rose? <laughs> um, yeah, like what? What can we say? Uh, the world is not just getting better on its own. I would say. No, no, they lie to us in those like gay agenda infomercials. Yeah, wouldn't it's not like a self healing organism it doesn't appear so that's interesting more systems are rupturing mm -hmm. nearly everyone i know is experiencing or a major support to somebody who is experiencing some kind of like pretty acute overwhelming crisis if not a few crises <laughs> uh, on top of the ongoing overlapping mm -hmm. crises <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the ph balance is off this is like a never-ending unceasing yeast infection in the mind Ooh, yeah and then sometimes you get like cysts on top of it and a uti maybe i mean you know god bless us <laughs> everyone right uh but it's it's still, <laughs> it's still sagittarian season britney is free and mm -hmm. tiana taylor is like getting freaky on stage just unstoppable you know um yeah, I recently fell down a YouTube hole with Tiana Taylor where, like, we just kept trying to locate footage of her, like, sapphic lap dances on women throughout. Yeah. And, I mean, people who I would I, I th think are women, I don't know. Sure, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just, like, throughout concerts, like, just her whole tour, there's this whole section of it where it's just like the song is about a threesome, I think, but there's no man on that stage. So like, you know, she's with it. And <laughs> she she knows the premium combo. Yeah. And like, um, and it's just like this like intense sort of daddy, like lap dance, like femme daddy, like, stare down her dancers are like in the back in the front making like sapphic ramen shapes like it's just it's so incredible i encourage everyone to to do their own research <laughs> this is one area where we condone doing your own research yeah doing your own research here sagittarians love research they're like i could read about that <laughs> yeah i mean that's a nice thing uh mm -hmm. to, a, ni a nice distraction from um the world which is not a gift that sagittarius can give us <laughs> that's true they can also like kind of remind you and alert and notify you of the world in unceasing detail over and over that is also <laughs> true right because sagittarius is um you know tied to publishing broadcasting the news right mm -hmm. keeping mm -hmm. informed and then making sure that you spread or share sometimes not with a lot of care <laughs> i mean they also just like knowledge for knowledge sake like i feel mm -hmm. like i have sagittarian friends who one of the reasons they like love their like contractor jobs or just because they have to like randomly learn lots of new facts sure but i think it's also the other piece of that that distinguishes it from gemini is the urge to then weave it together into something right no i'm just trying to i'm just trying to make some money and go home <laughs> you know <laughs>
So, Fair enough, well, yeah. we're here. We are. We're that, queer. That's it. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, barely at this point. It's like. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> Just. The urge to escape uh, has been pretty present, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what better way to escape than like the most Neptunian, most American, most quarantine mode streaming television. What do you think? Should My... we go into a little TV talk or do you want to talk through some astrology? Yeah, I want to get into Rose and Gala's TV corner because like that's where I live and my Taurus moon thrives. Yeah. And it's good. I think it's useful um, that you brought up the kind of Neptunian influence on the masses. It's also just like, you know, in the Northern hemisphere, it's just like fucking winter. It gets dark at five and we can't, I mean, I still can't go inside public places to like eat or chill. So what are we doing? You know, we're, we're just, we're just looking for gay people on, on the TV. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, this is community care. Me staying at home (laughs) to see gay people instead of going into a room and becoming a super spreader. It's true. Yeah. Cause like, you know, our basil's already spreading, super <laughs> spreading right now in Miami's. Omicron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you are trying to stay in because it's cold and or you don't live where gay people are and or you're a little concerned for one reason or another, don't worry. There's plenty of mediocre television options featuring gay Leads. Representation, yay. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe maybe one of the more boisterous, uh, more Sagittarian features is the logistically difficult 12 Dates of Christmas. Gala, did you, you got mm. to experience this, did you not? I did experience it. I wonder why you think it's Sagittarian. That's interesting to me. Do you know, I don't have to meet a lot of Sagittarius people who are into reality TV. No, I just mean because of how Sagittarian's season is leading up to these big celebrations, right? Whether That's it's, true. Yeah. So that's more what I was thinking about and like the sharing of lights and that they're doing outdoor activities and these... 12 people are are embarking on some sort of an adventure and then like trying to compete for the affection of somebody right which like for them yeah, you know good for them <laughs> um i mean that was kind of like a half explanation should we should we give a like brief synopsis of it for our listeners so it's a reality show great people love that it's a reality show about finding a perfect match for yourself and uh, it involves a smorgasbord of sexualities. You have like a gay man, you have a queer woman, and you have a straight man, and they are looking for love. And it's presented to the audience as an equal opportunity entertainment show, like you're supposed to be invested in all three narratives, and you're supposed to naturally kind of like 
gravitate towards a particular date for like all the people that they wind up meeting during the course of their stay in this uh, ski chalet. And that's, it's, it's filmed in a chalet. I don't know where, but it's um, very snowy. Yeah, it does ultimately, I think, still have a very heteronormative gaze and like often gravitates back to the straight bachelor. But that said, the lesbians and queer people there, pretty messy. <laughs> the fags, wholesome and adorable. <laughs> and yet everybody is logistically difficult, right? I guess. But it's like the gay men there were just like, one of them just came on the show. I don't know why. I think literally just to get his ex-boyfriend back, like just to show out for a minute and be like, Oh my God, baby, I still love you. I'm going to give up this whole show for you. But then like during that show, like two of the contestants hooked up mm -hmm. and everyone was really chill. They were like, That's oh yeah, true. of course you hooked up. You guys are hot. And then you yeah. were like, sup. And now you guys are dating. And this other guy who was there was like, yeah, I could be the guy now that you just ran off with your ex. And then he was just like doing his wholesome little like, sampling the stuff you know no big deal well i think what we got to see was like this interesting parallel with penny who you're talking about right who became mm -hmm. the main character and hina who definitely had main character syndrome so oh, yeah. we have these two leos who you know penny is just so warm and like good natured and good hearted that like people gravitate to him and then when the opportunity arises like they give it to him mm-hmm Hina, on the other hand, seemed to be a little confused about who the show was about or for or what <laughs> the parameters <Yeah>. were. <laughs> the vibes were not good. They were not. Yeah. So I feel like the truth is, it's like, I don't know how much. Well, first of all, we don't want to spoil it. No. Right? But I but, think there's a way to talk about some of the questions that it that the show brings up by these instances. Yeah. That's true. I feel like what it, what are some questions that it brings up for you? For me, what it brings up is is like it actually confirms that it is logistically difficult. Like with the straight reality show, it's still a problem to assume that somebody is going to be attracted to or connect with one mm -hmm. of these people simply because like they're of the gender and orientation this person's normally into, right? Right. But then I feel like there's so much nuance in in queer dating and in gender. And there's so many like not that there's not this in straight couples, but that like there's much less room and particularly in popular culture. Like, I don't know, man, gender roles are like pretty fucking ingrained and it's a lot harder to break out of, I think, if you aren't like starting over. But mm. so I just felt like the struggle for Amanda, the m main queer character was like, she didn't seem to really be super attracted to or feel like a lot of chemistry with any of the picks. And like many of them were like kind of wild. Like you're just like, what's happening here? I you know, wait, I think that Amanda was interested in Hina. Yeah, but part of Amanda's interest in Hina was Hina's fucking avoidant ass tendency. Like, well, but not in the beginning, sure. right? Like, and maybe that's actually like we can talk about avoidant yeah. attachment and insecure attachment now. Like a lot of people with avoidant attachment or like people drawn to people with avoidant attachment 
are actually drawn to people who like are really effusive because a lot of yeah. avoidant attachment people start out love bombing and they're yeah. just totally like and then pull back once they've secured it yeah so it's like it's funny because i think that there's a lot of internet like you know therapy stuff that's <laughs> totally. all like oh like unless it's an enthusiastic yes like you know blah 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 and it's like fair but like sometimes people are really like you're the one I've been waiting for. And then the moment you finally give in, then they're like, I don't know why you have these many expectations of me. (laughs) And you're like, are you sure? Yeah. 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 That's real. But, but, and then I think about like with the gay men as well. Right. Where it was like, Mm -hmm. some of them were really into each other. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, yeah, when you do open it up when anybody's game, which, then just takes me back to like your very favorite show that are you the one where everybody was like pan right or bi so that like mm-hmm. anybody could have been matched with anybody else there ostensibly i mean yeah i, I wouldn't call it my favorite show <laughs> <laughs> i would say that it was like like deliciously chaotic yeah um and it had some really great stock characters that I still think of to this day. But I will also say that like, it was also like, you know, who were these experts? Cause right. Cause in the, in the, are you the one people were actually prepared? Like mm. the object of the game was not to find true love by connecting with someone. Yeah. It was to figure out through connecting with someone, if they were the ones that the quote unquote experts had decided right. was your perfect match. Yeah. And like, would you believe that despite how many pairings can happen with like just a like a jumble of pansexuals in a house yeah. that the experts still imagine the perfect pairs would be people who they would perceive as like opposite biological sex couples yeah like you know it was just like oh of course of course all oh, those two oh yeah huh all those pansexuals and somehow <laughs> right um yeah. but yeah you know it's like i just think sometimes you're so tired during these uh during these times of the year and it's so nice to just relax and watch someone make a fool of themselves totally um and also i think it's you know since we are talking about these people as their, you know, sun sign, it's worth noting too that like what we had in the case of Hina and Amanda was an opposition. And that it was clear that, you know, for those watching and curious, you know, um, if you've seen the show or if you've ever tried to date an Aquarius, <laughs> you might find that you don't know if you have chemistry with them for a long time. <laughs> we don't know either. <laughs> We're new here on earth. <laughs> so it's like the only thing you can actually go by and you should is their word, you know? Yeah. So it's like when Amanda kept kind of like choosing, you know, or like, you know, spending time with, you know, that was Amanda saying that like, yeah, she was into them. Yeah. She was into them. Mm-hmm. which like sometimes the way you know that an air sign but particularly an Aquarius is into you is that they don't avoid you <laughs> if they're mm-hmm. not trying to keep you an upside down world right 
but like yeah like they may not be super forward but for them to even just like stay in orbit of you is actually like says a lot you know I don't think a lot of fixed signs like to keep you in any world if they don't want you in their world like they're just not they're like please leave the stratosphere thank you so much you know I think the only caveat would come with certain Leos but even then it's not like their interior bubble. It's more like just they're like, Hey, good to see you. You will we'll make it feel fun when I'm doing something and want a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the outer orbit or whatever. Yeah. I think that sometimes people mistake Aquarian straight up, not being interested for them playing hard to get. And it's like, no, no, they just won't be gotten. Like there's no, mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean they can't also be like a little oblivious and not realize that you're hitting on them. But like, that's different than them just being like, yeah, I'm not interested. I'm not going to respond to you. I feel like also Aquarians are like vibing. Sometimes they're just like <laughs> sitting around vibing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like maybe who knows what will happen. Um, and in that way, Aquarians have a lot in common with Sagittarian people. Yeah. They're right? also like. They can roll with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and maybe also there are two signs that, um, are kind of comfortable socializing alone. And by that, I mean, like they will go to a function by themselves and sometimes mingle and sometimes not, or like go somewhere where they don't know anybody, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then be like, cool, these are my new best friends tonight. And then maybe never see them again. Right. I feel like it's like, it's almost like what's the objective is different, Mm -hmm. but the, but the impulses are similar. So it's yes. like both, both Aquarians and Sagas sort of go to the party and then they're like, cool, I'm having a human experience. <laughs> but I think that like Sagittarians are like, cool, I'm having a human experience different from my usual human experience. I will report back to the other humans about this experience and add it as a tab to my human experiences folder. Whereas I think Aquarians are like, cool, I'm having a human experience. It was a bad idea, but I'm here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're more interested in, in perhaps like um, observing what's going on there and like thinking about it. Whereas Sagittarius is like, let me really try to like feel this viscerally and then report back. But like, let me do as, do as the, these people do for a sec Mm -hmm. and then like (laughs) go home and maybe talk shit about them (laughs) and that's the other thing that they have in common is that might happen after (laughs) yeah i feel like i don't know Ooh, time to blaspheme i feel like aquarians talk more shit than sagittarians do i think both can be pretty judgmental and that is where the most shit talking comes from you know what i mean like sagittarius is literally the law like it's passing down judgment that's allegedly from a moral authority right and Mm -hmm. and i think both of them have the illusion of objectivity right the delusion of objectivity perhaps may have (laughs) yeah both may have right (laughs) and can feel pretty self-important which again takes us back to hina and leo's as well so i feel like sagittarians are like when in rome but like anywhere yeah 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 for sure okay so 12 dates aside yes i guess we've we've come back to the dilemma of no no can't be queer jewish movies for gala um i want to put it out there to everybody that like 
suggesting Jewish movies that suck does not remedy this. <laughs> like, just admit it. Like, admit it. You know what good is. You know what it is. Yeah. Like, just admit it. Even when it's trash, you know yeah. what good is. You know, there's good trash and then there's bad trash. Yeah. So I'll tell you what. Good trash is the kind of trash that you would actually, like, if you knew streaming services were going to disappear, you'd, like, want a copy of it in your home to rewatch sometime. Yep. So like just don't suggest like disobedience, none of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Rachel Weiss, impeccable, incomparable, <laughs> unmistakable, of course. But I'd rather watch the favorite. Yeah, 100 percent At least in that, like people get to live their lesbian lives and not like just stay with their sad fucking small-hearted husbands in their, like, trapped existence in a cult. Like, that's not... It's not hot, okay? And it's also modern day. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say to me, Gala, what about Portrait of a Lady on Fire? And I want to pose to you a couple of things about that. One, <laughs> it was made by lesbians for lesbians who were exes. It is a lesbian production. Yeah, Two... That <laughs> It is old timey. So when they make a choice not to be together because they, I don't know, can't, it's different. I'm not saying I like it. <laughs> I'm not saying that like I prefer it. I'm just saying that's historically factual, you know? But if you like are making a contemporary movie in the fucking post 2000s, and you're lesbian characters played by straight people. And you're also a straight man writing that movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to see your, your sad, lonely lesbian <laughs> ending. That's not, that's not part of the holiday season. <laughs> that's not, I don't deserve coal in my stockings like that, no matter what God I have, <laughs> you know? It's not right. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I could say it better than that, Gala. You really Thank channeled you. a zeitgeist a moment. Thank you. Generation. you know. So with all of that said, you know, obviously we don't really even get a Dyke movie as far as I know for Christmas, but no. we do get single all the way. We must support our siblings in their... I'm just like, Love what was journeys. going on though? Like, why did his friend just have to like be a weird family servant? Like, I was like, what did nobody else read this? Like, what's happening? What do you mean, family servant? Like, so ostensibly, this guy's best friend goes home for Christmas with him because, you know, his alleged date actually was secretly had a family. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so his best friend, you know, he's white. His best friend is a black man who works for TaskRabbit. So like does a lot of manual labor outside of the house, comes home on mm -hmm. vacation and proceeds to do a bunch more manual labor for free at this house when he's a guest. Oh, maybe he's just like a Virgo. Have you considered that? I mean, that what I did think about that, but I also just felt like kind of, kind of strange. <laughs> And then after that, he becomes like, and then he's also just like the kid's main babysitter. I'm just saying like, I'm a white woman. I don't know. But my spidey sense said this is a little problematic racially, I think. 
You know what? Go with that. You know, like maybe maybe I'm just Cynthia Nixoning out here. Maybe I'm just Mirandaing and 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 just ruining everything for everyone. But like, it made me a little uncomfortable that the only fucking black character was like doing all these acts of service for this wealthy white family. You know what? And you should feel uncomfortable <laughs> as a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to really sit with that discomfort, you know. And like, sorry, I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm like Sagittarianing you right now. You role playing? Um, yeah, I think that's a fair point to bring up. I think that maybe that would have struck me as more odd if I hadn't dated so many Virgos mm. that like showed up and like randomly were like, I'm fixing everything in your apartment. Yeah. But also, that might have struck me as more odd if the plot in itself was believable. That's true. You know? That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, like, it was this weird straight savior thing. Like, all these straight people have to help this poor gay guy, who, like, figure out love because he doesn't know what love looks like. Like, what is happening there? Now they're so close they can't see it in each other, you know? And then fake Brett Favre has to tell him <laughs> that, like... Yeah, it's- I think here's the thing that is confusing. And I think that this is, you know, I don't, I don't know who made this, this movie. I don't know if it was a, a gay. Yeah. I can just move past it. Like most Sagittarians do when they like, (laughs) I just want to say that like, whether or not that this was a gay who wrote a gay who wrote single all the way, um, (laughs) they if they believe that um, both people, both people in a couple of friends would not know they were had the hots for each other, yeah. that is a lie. Yeah. There's always one. Yeah. There's always one, at least. If not both, then at least one. We are in touch with our erotic desires. It's true. We have literally chosen our erotic desires over everything that was taught to us <laughs> since the day we were born. I'm not saying that we know what to do with them. Yeah. I'm not saying we don't make bad choices, <laughs> but I'm saying if these two dudes live with each other and see each other shirtless and out of the shower yeah. and each other for years, they got to know something. It can't be like a premise where they're like, I never thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Unless one of them is lying to the other one. And then I think it would have been an interesting part of the movie if perhaps yeah. one of them was like, yes, I've always felt this way, but I like never wanted to risk the friendship, you know? Yeah. Which like they get to in their realization or whatever. Um but I, I mean, to be honest, the reason to watch the movie is, is literally just Jennifer Coolidge for her deranged Christmas pageant. It's true. It's true. I mean, like Jennifer Coolidge. You know, who is she? Who is that cancer, you know? And what is she about? Um, a true mystery. Yeah. A true mystery upon mysteries, you know. Um, so, okay. In, in Rose and Gala's TV Corner, we've talked about 12 dates. We've talked mm-hmm. about single all the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can talk about a lot of different stuff. I love the TV Corner. It is where I live. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a couple of shows on HBO Max that are like, 
pretty good. You know, there's like uh, the sex lives of college girls. There's a queer storyline there. It's yeah. difficult and it's a little bit like frustrating, but ultimately heartwarming, I yeah. think. I also just watched Harlem, which I think is like a little older in the sense of this year. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime, which I um, watch for my ex-girlfriend's account. Thank you very much. No, I don't pay Amazon. <laughs> and she gets it for free because she works for an institution. Um, so, uh, yes, Harlem is really great. And like, um, it's sort of like a sex in the city, but like with a bunch of like, cute black women and who are like not as annoying so cool <laughs> that sounds good i guess that's yeah. a, uh, maybe a proper time to segue into the new sex in the city which is terrible it's true i want to just as we segue point out that unlike sex in the city harlem has lived up to the quest or the question that I had upon turning the show on where I said, there better be one in four. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, there was. Yeah. Unlike Sex and City. So I I feel like I could like uh, pass that mic to you, Rose. To be honest with you, I have never been beguiled by Sex and the City. As a New Yorker, it just rubbed me the wrong way. (laughs) But... (laughs) I mean, it's just like there were so many problems. For me, Sex and the City was just like... um... It became a comfort watch that every time I rewatched, I was like more and more horrified by, (laughs) you know, but I remember like TBS would play like reruns or whatever, or you'd watch with your mom or I don't know. Um, The point is it's fucking bad. It's worse than it was. It's more heavy handed than Grey's Anatomy in the here's us trying to place ourselves in a politically safe zone what's happening what what's happening there is what i would say and it's disturbing <laughs> and i don't think it knows what it's doing but it's trying to do a lot but is it really like are those characters that you're looking at really different from the ones they were when the show ended it's like if somebody like made an episode of all in the family right now and had like archie bunker trying to figure out like how to accept a non-binary kid or something it's like Mm. they they it's like they're aware of the issues from the last season but they do not know how to solve them or how to bridge the gap or bring these characters into the present moment. And so it just is like clunky and uncomfortable. It's kind of like every episode is the pilot, but you know that they threw like more money than God at that fucking show. So like, that's also distressing, Mm. you know, it's just like, it's like clumsier than the Elward generation Q. (laughs) I, you know, I already missed that shit show. (laughs) (laughs) just shows how fucking empty our days are Uh. i mean listen it's really the golden age of television so there's that hey neptune pisces and given that it's the golden age of television i think that sometimes when people do these reboots that are so lazy and they're not even like you know, I like a reboot too when sometimes they do a little like a little wink at the audience, sure. you know? Yeah. Like if like in this reboot, which I didn't watch, but I'm just gonna assume because it's Sagittarius season. Yeah. Um, in this reboot, which I didn't watch, I'm sure Miranda is again straight, but wouldn't it be funny if she was like, I've been gay this whole time? It it would be way funnier. They do they troll Steve out. And he looks cute. He did a good job. He's cute. But you know what I mean. It's like Yeah. 
Cynthia, you know, Cynthia's fucking gay. Like yeah. Miranda's character was always like canonically queer. Like yeah. just living in Brooklyn with her fucking overalls, like yeah. in her no makeup, <laughs> like, and her like, just like bottomy boyfriend. High earner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I'm just saying yeah. that it would be like, if one was self-aware, like if one could get a good writers, right. Who understood how to leverage a joke on Sagittarius season to like, <laughs> you know, they could really, they could really have a conversation with their audience. Yeah. You know, they could like trust their audience to have an intelligent sort of like back and forth. But instead yeah. it's like, here's more of the same. We're giving you what you want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no. It's kind of the same situation as like Arrested Development reboot. You know what I mean? It's like you actually want to leave before the party starts to suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because otherwise it's too late. There is no line. It just like is still fun or like, ooh, it's not anymore. Like the Tiffany mm -hmm. lamp got broken or somebody threw up or like, you know what I mean? Like there's a point where it's just too late and you can't get it off of you. Yeah, it's almost like sometimes committing to the bit actually means admitting that it's a bit. Yeah. Like sometimes the bit is not meant to go on forever. It's meant to like have a a turning point. It's you not know? called along. It's called a bit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like my final sort of um, interjection into the TV corner yeah. is uh, yellow jackets. Oh, Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's like sometimes you just turn on a show and you're like, there is a discerning, if not persnickety demographic out there of a particular sort of queer woman in her 30s and 40s who just keeps asking, you know, whatever happened to Melanie Lisinski? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know it's a fantastic. <laughs> I know I've done it before I can't stop and in case y'all I mean clearly like if you are in Rosengala's TV corner and you've stayed here this long God bless you but also yeah. you might like TV um, but you might be young and you yeah. might not know that Melanie Sinski is queer canon yes and has been for a long time right yeah. um, you know Heavenly Sisters you mean Heavenly Creatures yeah, they're sisters, yeah. so if you know what I mean. Oh, I mean, they are, they are, they are. <laughs> you know, Melanie Linsky is the beginning, the sort of the catalyst mm -hmm. of us waiting on fucking Kate Winslet for decades <sighs> now. You know, she was the beginning of the she gate. Yeah, right. Because Kate Winslet walkthrough. <laughs> yeah, it's like sure. Um, many, if not most, folks' first encounter with Kate Winslet would have been Titanic, which lesbian proxy Leonardo DiCaprio. It's not not queer canon as well, and like nobody but a dyke would be like, "I'll just freeze to death in this water. Will you survive?" Right? Like that's <laughs> some fucking sapphic devotion right there. Um, <laughs> but but heavenly creatures came first. Came first, exactly. 1994 right and titanic didn't come out till 1998 i think um, seven i'm just looking at kate oh, yeah, yeah. page i'm not i'm not like a super stan although I, I i can't deny her i would never but in a way it's a precursor for yellow jackets because it is sapphic and fucking brutal 
100%, right? But Melanie Linsky. Linsky wasn't just in Heavenly Creatures. No, no. She was also in But I'm a Cheerleader. Yes, yes. And honestly, while we always focus on, you know, good old Clea Mm -hmm. and then bisexual blazer illusion, (laughs) um, I will say that without Melanie in that movie, it would not be the same movie. No. No. She sets a tone. She brings a camp and she really adds like, she adds some color. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those fucking dimples. That fucking accent. Oh my God. And here she is full grown, huh? Yes. She's full grown and yellow jackets with who but other queer baits, Juliet Lewis and Christina Ricci. Mm-hmm. And you then know, a queer black couple as leads. Well, we don't want to give too much away, but no. I, it seems like it seems like because um the other two actresses, like, well, they have been in other movies, they haven't been in any like queer movies. No. It almost feels like they gathered these like these like queer bait actresses that are ostensibly straight into one movie. And then we're like, we will radiate you around like a sapphic couple at the core, <laughs> you know? And, and like, Oh my God. And that couple. Okay. So Tawny Cypress and she's with, is it Rakia Bernard? Maybe. Yes. By the way, this like sapphic couple in the yes. middle of the fucking show is so fucking hot and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously they're like married with a child mm-hmm. and it's like very like they're you're not getting a lot of like sexy Dykes sexy. They're just you know? like us. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like chilling in their like yeah. impeccable home in their impeccable clothes. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like Sure, it's not representation, theoretically, because none of us have survived a a dire plane crash in an isolated island that led to... Possible cannibalism? Question mark, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Dear listeners, it is unclear. Sins of the flesh, sins of the flesh. Um, (laughs) But... (laughs) Sins with flesh, but... (laughs) Uh, there, you know, I would say that that's, that's the best route to go on. If you're going to go on any route this season. Yeah. It's gripping. It's a diverse cast. It's a great nineties soundtrack. And like, you know what, whatever, fuck me. I'm a sucker for nostalgia, but yeah, like you throw a queer couple at the center and all of those fave actresses from the nineties. Like, I'm going to fucking watch. I'm going to watch Juliet Lewis drive around with a shotgun while Christina Ritchie sabotages everything. Like, that sounds fucking great. Also, it's like, I miss Christina Ricci. I'm like, oh, you're so great. You know, yeah. like, it must be like that part that Christina Ricci is playing. It, it's like, must be so fun for her. I mean, oh, just like, yeah. Anyway, so I think I think that is um, that's my many bits into the tv corner our bits and bobs i think that's probably enough uh tv Mm -hmm. for the children though did you want to talk about carol season wow the truth is is like if we talk about carol and we can because like sagittarians truly don't even want attention on them because it's like if you put attention on a sagittarius too long you'll start to notice they're like very suspicious behavior. And so they like, <laughs> they like it when you kind of look away a little bit. Cause they're always like, 
I always like putting a few too many dominoes down, you know, like, <laughs> oh, it's like, you're always like, what, why'd you say yes to that? And they're just like, mm, percolating. Um, so, you know, we, we can detour from the, the pony train a little further. Um, and I will say that talking about Carol just generally puts me in the hot seat because I just don't think it's good. And I say this every year, mm -hmm. I just don't think that it, it is a great <laughs> movie. Um, I think it's beautifully shot. Yeah. Cinematography, 10. Yeah. You know, sure. Kate Blanchett, great costume design. Yeah. Good job, everybody. That's all. That's all we got here. <laughs> I mean, we can't talk about Patricia Highsmith, like, because that's different. That's a book, you guys. Yeah. Have you heard about reading? have you heard about reading you could try that if you want um the reading is superb yeah the price of salt is superb also what a name yeah beautiful beautiful title. poetic carol boring very Already boring. drab from the outside <laughs> sorry maybe you should go on a date <laughs> <laughs> have you considered going on a date oh, <laughs> why it's like these straight people who have no chemistry like in the bare minimum of erotic scenes just looking at each other that, just... why is everyone so obsessed with it is it because of how porcelain Kate Blanchett's face is like what is the thing I mean, I think part of it, yeah, it's definitely white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a sad season episode if I didn't make some wild unsubstantiated leap. Um, but it's not that wild, right? It's like, yeah, this is the the unbearable whiteness of Carol is like real. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, my God. If you make the title of this episode, The Unbearable Whiteness <laughs> of Carol, we are going to lose all of our listeners. I know it now. I can feel it in the air tonight. Um, Thanks, Phil Collins. 100% <laughs> it's going to happen because fucking dykes are just obsessed with Carol. And I'm like, have you watched Dangerous Hearts? Wait, do you mean Desert Hearts? Yes, those, okay. that's the one. Thank yeah. you so much. I my bird died, and it's so okay. I feel <laughs> so I feel like it's it's just I want people to understand how much how much after a Jewish lesbian or queer sapphic or some version of homosexual faggotry movie, how much I need a sexy movie between intergenerational protagonists i need you to understand yeah. that my whole life is a mommy complex <laughs> just hear that out like like uh, my whole life is just it's just like hanging from some woman's breast wondering if maybe she can replace my mother but let me tell you what carol is not the one <laughs> No. It's not the one. <laughs> well, there's no fucking carnality in that movie. And I think that mm -hmm. to me is frustrating. Like I, I'm tired. 
of all the implication. I'm tired of all the softness. I'm tired of femmes being invisible except for in Hollywood. And then suddenly that's our only option. And even if you're a butch character, you either have to be like the most miserable rock scientist like Kate Winslet <laughs> in Ammonite or you have to wear like fucking mascara, like which is fine. And that's a choice that you're making. But like, why is that like the only place that femmes get to exist? And when, and when they do exist and they're, they're like stripped of any sexual agency, like, I'm sorry, like femmes fuck what's happening in that movie. Know. And like, Nothing. is that the problem Nothing. with a gay man directing that like, he can't imagine that possible? Well, and, they're also just straight women and yeah. there's no sexiness there. Yeah. And the only kind of gloves I want to be thinking about are latex ones <laughs> or non-latex ones that for are allergic for friends. sex. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't need them left at a counter. And if they're red and wool, it's not that. I don't even remember what fucking color those gloves are. Have you ever taken a leather glove and slapped it across someone tied to your bed? No, not in Carol, you haven't. No, you so, haven't. They're, nothing happens there. It's just like, come on, what's happening here? Anyway, um, Rooney Mara, you would have been great as an extra in Zelda, the video game. Um, but you're just, you're just not doing it for me. Which is, which is to me, also randomly queer canon. But like, just... who else plays ocarinas but fucking gay people? Uh, Zelda. I'm going to sing my way through this epic adventure. Uh, anyway. Yes, yes. Good. Um, yeah. Uh, so now we've done it. We've alienated everyone that we've hoped to bring close. It's listen, time for Christmas. If that's what you love, that's what you love. But it wouldn't be the holidays without a fight with people you thought really knew you very well and cared for you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't. We, you know, you can never know anyone. That is true. Wow, Gala, so optimistic. Well, since you're just like in a bountiful spirit, should we talk about um, what's happening astrologically in the next little bit? Because there's a lot. Yeah, wow. People, can you imagine an hour later, people are like, oh, I guess we can talk about something besides your opinions about TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Speaking of talking to a Sagittarius. It's true, but you know what? If you really think about it, everything we're talking about is relevant it's not a far stretch you just have to open your mind yeah it's just your limiting perspective it's not our incoherence no Mm -mm. okay so Mm. by the time this comes out i'm imagining that venus will already have stationed retrograde there's a good chance of that i would also imagine that mars will have entered sagittarius so Mm-hmm. Less mm-hmm. brooding, um, certainly less strategy, but um, maybe more fun. Mm-hmm. And definitely, so Mercury has entered Capricorn at that point, and yeah. Mars is in Sagittarius. Yes. I guess we can sort of like put the pieces as they fall right into their little spots. Yeah. Venus and Pluto just chilling together in Capricorn, also just like straight up, like. Like a double whammy, you know, just a duo of despairs. Um, And I say this as like a happily coupled person. There's so many ways for Venus retrograde to to just sidle in, 
it doesn't have to be about your relationships, but it sure as hell can be. Yeah. Um, lots of kinds of relationships out there. Mm-hmm. Lots of kind of value systems, lots of kind of troubles with the way that you appear in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Self-esteem, Looking- connection to creative practice, shame, mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Pluto, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And perhaps mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that you have not had the fucking chance to really feel the um, intensity of or or to grieve, right? Like Pluto holds on until it's ready to let go. One hundred percent. Also, you know, you might want to look where Capricorn falls in your natal yeah. chart, because there's a chance that what gets activated might be different just based on houses. Absolutely. If it's in your second house, like yeah, it might actually just be about money. But if it's in your seventh or your eighth or your eleventh or your third, even it might be about <laughs> relationships, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and really just like is my worth being recognized? <laughs> Am I recognizing it? Mm. Um, and also, what is the darker side of Venus, of connection, of systems of money and exchange, right? Of values. Who who gets left out? Right. How do others mirror back to us how we value ourselves? Mm. Right? Because it's like not what am I worth to you, right? It's like what am I worth to me? AKA like where am I comfortable asserting myself or drawing a boundary or like changing my priorities. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like if someone always finds a way in a conversation with friends, right. If someone you're dating always finds a way in a conversation with friends to kind of say something that belittles you or makes you feel small. Mm. Right. And you don't, you don't like ever bring that up to the other person, but you're hurt about it. Right. What is that saying about whether or not you believe that that is admissible in a loving relationship or that you deserve that? Yeah. Right. So there's a little bit of that. Um, It can also be, I don't know, possessiveness and fear. Right. A lot of survival stuff comes up with Pluto and um, most relationships require some level of vulnerability right um Mm -hmm. and so this sense that like danger is near whether or not it is or something that is taking you back to a time or a place where you were like deeply wounded and formed like a pretty great distrust for other people Mm -hmm. like feelings like that could be coming up again and sometimes it's a clue that this thing you're in truly isn't good and that you should get out and other times it's that oh, well, if I don't start dealing with this larger thing, it's going to seep into every interaction and I'm going to start to think it's the other person when in fact I hold mm-hmm. some of this responsibility, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like also you want to add in that Capricorn sort of like shade of expectation and like the way that we project onto others using inherited ideas, right, about... Mm-hmm what like what's worthy what's valuable what's gonna work also what parts am i supposed to repress or feel shame around and like not Mm -hmm. express right that are then just eating away at you from the inside yeah just really light things to consider this holiday season gentle stuff yeah but it's also like well it's got to come out right like if you've ever been nauseated 
It is so much better to just fucking puke. It sucks. It's often embarrassing. It's inconvenient. It can be painful. But afterwards, you finally can like maybe get your balance back or feel a little more comfortable in the moment to moment. Right. And, but there's that threshold with those feelings of like, you don't want to get up. You don't want to find a bag. You don't want to embarrass yourself. It's not a good time. It's not a good place. Right. And then there's a point where it's just like, okay, it's too much. The intensity has overwhelmed me. And like, it is better to puke (laughs) in the back of this taxi cab right now than it is to take this ride (laughs) in a bag out the window, something like that. I'm not saying like puke on somebody's cab. I just mean, I was trying to conjure up like an instance where it's not comfortable. Like truly, I just got onto the, like the metaphorical ride that is your Virgo moon and like went on a ride. I have like never heard like more of a Virgo style (laughs) metaphor in my whole fucking life. Um, But think about it. Think about how it's like that low level discomfort or even just like having to pee at night, but the bed being cozy. And then there's a point where like, until you do that, you're not going to be comfortable, right? Now you're speaking my language about my favorite place, the bed. You're absolutely right. You just like keep yourself up all night and being like an asshole to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Or somebody else, right? Ooh, that's true. And the Venus retrograde for sure. Mm -hmm. But all that is to say like, yeah, it's going to be prickly. It's going to be really uncomfortable, particularly if you celebrate... Uh, if you celebrate Christian holidays and you're going to be with your family on December 25th, like, guess what? Saturn and Uranus are going to perform their last square on December 23rd or 24th, depending on where you are. The last exact, though they'll be with an orb for all of next year, so it's not over yet. But so, to me, this feels like something really coming to a head and then being faced with, like, the aftermath of whatever kind of explosive conflict or argument or really kind of devastating blow to your self-esteem or even your finances where you have to get like really real about whether or not these these things will sustain you, you know? Mm-hmm. I do want to say too, just for the record, you know, like <sighs> these fucking squares, <laughs> I just feel like the fixed signs out there when it comes to these fucking squares are just like, just getting back in the ring, like over and over, like teeth, just like wobbling (laughs) out of their mouths. Like what now, you know, and everyone's facing it differently. There's like, I think Leo's, it's definitely like, you know, I feel like Leo's for the most part, it's about like their image, like their image is really like, there's work being done on it. Like how other people see you, but in not in a first house kind of way, like more in a 10th house kind of way. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, for some of them, it's like a constant disillusionment of like their ambition, (laughs) you know, like for some of them, it's like a falling of a facade, like whatever it is, like Leo's slammed Taurus is obviously, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the fucking the, like the tower car just hanging out in your fucking side <laughs> for an undisclosed period of time, given how long the shadows will also last. I just feel like Taurus, it's such like an extra whammy because it is like, 
the antithesis of what Taurus seeks, move towards, and works for in the world. Like, yes, Aquarians are dealing with Saturn, but like, it's comfortable yeah. there. But like the sign of like the planet of discomfort and upheaval in the sign that like wants to maintain and be comfortable and it's seven years long, like that is fucked up. Yeah. And it's like we all know what a shadow lasts. It's basically just like your whole lives. Like good luck this generation of Taurus is, you know? Good luck, everybody. Have fun. Um, and you know, like as a Scorpio, it I you know, the aspects, they're not great. <laughs> aspects are not great thank you for my ted talk <laughs> aspects are not great so um i just i, I just want to say that out loud like fix signs like you're not alone like rose and i one aquarius one scorpio we're here with you we're here just getting hammered and not in, in the, the way that sagittarius likes to get hammered you know, no, in no. like we're lesmas. <laughs> like literally, I yesterday I went to look at my transits, and every single transiting planet was touching one, if not multiple, of my needle placements. Like literally every angle. It's just not chill. You it's know not what a mean? chill time. No, and like we deserve a chill time because everything else in the universe is so fucking chaotic. Yeah. But unfortunately, as above, so below, yeah. here we are in the fucking dirt with our little fisticuffs up. And, you know, it is true that while here's the thing, here's the thing I deeply believe also. And Rose, like, mm -hmm. you know, say, yeah, I would love your sort of take on that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I feel like the fixed signs, like we like maintain the perimeter, you know, and it's like, we get exhausted as fuck. Right. We're yeah. just like holding the container, like holding the container in whatever way, like you can imagine that container to be held. Like yeah. we get tired and we get energetically drained, but we will last the fight. We'll just you keep know? going. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> even if we leave the table or the ring or whatever the fuck, like we're still like, We'll be like, oh, call me if you really need something. But here's the thing. The cardinal signs, they don't always know how to how They to don't know up. how to maintain this shit. They know how to start no. a bunch of shit. And then they're like, okay, I fucked around. You find out. And you're like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean they I, they were getting clobbered as well and and the early degrees still are with chiron right mm -hmm. and late mm -hmm. degree with pluto right so it's like it's still happening but you're right the ability to oh cultivate patience particularly in a time of um unknowing right like there's so mm -hmm. much unknown and it just keeps stretching further and further and further and some of us call it masochism <laughs> call it what you will uh have a little more tolerance for for the continual moving of the goalpost right mm -hmm. for some of us we function better just being like just have to get through today and then tomorrow just have to get through today you know mm -hmm. and it's also like you know i think that part of the fixed sign work of maintenance that's just like it's who we are you know like we maintain something or we restore it cardinal is very it's, it's very much like, wait, what do I have to do? What's my next task, right? And in a moment when 
things are the opposite of moving forward, right? Or if they're moving forward, they're not moving forward in a way anybody wants them to, then... Yeah, they're accelerating, but not progressing, you know? <laughs> exactly. Like, like literally into quicksand, you know, just like accelerating, accelerating, stuck. And, it, you know... I want to say there's really not a cardinal sign in the bunch that loves to get stuck when they, when they've decided on a, on somewhere to go. <laughs> yeah. So we feel for you and, you know, mutable signs are perhaps the best suited for these times because it's more about just dropping into the environment and adapting and responding. Listen, it's fine. You know, like in, <laughs> It's all fine. And, you know, we've got everything. Everyone's got everything in their charge or whatever everybody says, you know? So it's not like, it's not like we don't have a little sprinkle of everything, but if your primary placements are mutable or if you relate to your mutable placements the most, you know, I would just say that you get to ride the ferry. Some of us have got to tread in the water, <laughs> you know? Some of us are just like, yeah, yeah <laughs> you get to like, Sharks. <laughs> you get to chill out till 2023 and then uh, yeah. good luck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not fun. We're all, we're all just having fun. But Jupiter does enter Pisces uh, on December 28th. And, you know, not always necessarily a great thing. Um, you know, last time when Jupiter dipped its toes in, we had all that lovely unmasking that then just made fertile ground for the delta variant <laughs> yeah i mean but at this point it's like like i'm not quite anchored i'll yeah. say in sort of in the in the aquarian piscean debate of like where jupiter you know can yeah. sort of be more like uh be, like anchored in delusion yeah yeah he, he, <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> so it's like aquarians are also like you know i do think it's an aquarian influence when there are cults and these sort of like information like disinformation new information what's information journeys just as much as like there is a, a Piscean desire to like escape and to relinquish the old rules. Yeah, I hear you. But it might be nice for some folks after the big fight on the 25th that you have with your closest people. Maybe on the 28th, you find a way to find some hope because uh, we need it. We need it right now. It's a dark, mm -hmm. dark days. And, you know. There's only so many seasons of 90 Day Fiance out there. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, you know, there's so many beautiful ways to tap into that energy. That's not about like just plugging your little cord into the collective upheaval and discord that is yeah. America. <laughs> you could just take a little trip with drugs. You could just mm -hmm. do some drugs. Great. Yeah. Perfect. If you like drugs and you do them safely, yeah. have fun. Enjoy your little journey. Expand your mind, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and try to move towards the the things you want to believe in, right? Like you can't you can't start and end with belief or prayer or imagination. Like that should be the beginning and then you gotta figure out how to bridge that gap. 
Sure. You know, like <laughs> draw a little picture, put on a song you like. Volunteer at a food bank. I don't know. Help I mean, some folks. yeah, okay. <laughs> Come on, share bounty. The thing is, Pisces is like a service or suffering, right? And you can get too inflated. So staying grounded in some kind of like devotional or volunteer work is cool. Or yeah, getting in touch with your imagination. It's just like, make sure you have one little toe still on the earth. So you don't just go, go off completely in the hot air balloon. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally right. And I mean, like, I think that, you know, hallucinogens are just one way to do something, you know, yeah. uh, and just not always the safest way for people who yeah. are on antidepressants, for instance. For so, you sure. Know, check, yeah, yeah. Check check with the online forums with all the dudes who really need to let you know a lot of stuff about drugs because they're there. And listen, uh, sometimes you can use mansplaining to your advantage. It's really informative. Like the number of vitamins and juices I have bought simply because, um, like, a twenty year old bio major has told me to. Incredible, but listen. All I'm saying is, Jupiter, it's nice. It's usually nice. Yeah. Like, it, you know, collectively difficult. All things collectively yes. can be good or bad, depending. But natally, you know, even if, even if it's hard, it'll be good, yeah. I think. Because it's like, you know, sometimes what Jupiter does, right, is it amplifies things that are difficult so that you notice them. <laughs> yeah, and notice that, like, you can make different choices you know yeah. because it's not just going to amp up your insecurities it can also amp up your self-esteem right so it's like mm-hmm. if you know that this doesn't feel good you might finally feel like you can change it or can do something um mm-hmm. you also might just get really exhausted and that's also okay to like listen to that and rest if you have the means to mm-hmm. sure or you can feel like a sudden surge of like, like just like of self-confidence mm-hmm. and like a feeling that you want to bet on yourself yeah. and like you'll get the opportunity and you should take it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be in your favor. Yeah. So take, you know, there's not that many nuggets right now in this world as in this existence. So like whatever small pleasure that isn't harming other people that you can find, whatever little bit of hope whatever tiny spark that you can stoke like do it take advantage or just be like um a good way of returning to yourself a little bigger a little more open yeah truly well i feel like i feel like we don't do you want to tell people about anything else do you feel like that's far (laughs) enough in the future (laughs) i mean for sure i don't know if we like I mean, what what else is there in There's the world to There's a full moon in Gemini that we didn't That's talk true. about. That'll happen. That's true. T- to be fair, if you've been waiting and waiting to charge your crystals, <laughs> this is the first lunation in Gemini or Sagittarius since I believe 2019 that isn't under an eclipse. So it's a little less loaded. You might be able to just like 
I don't know, go to a cool bonfire for the solstice or something, you know, spend some time outside safely spread apart from people and and get a little joy and connection, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Why not? You know, and also like the effects of the full moon last after the full moon. And I think that the full moon, you know, as we know, is a reflective, usually like a reflective practice for a lot of people really just sitting with that full moon as it like prepares you for the Venus retrograde and thinking about relationship, right? Like thinking about duality, thinking about what it means to build a life along somebody else and how people start to mirror each other and like fill, fill in each other's negative spaces, right? The bounce back and forth, the specific kind of languages that you create between yourself and another person. And how those like languages, how those like banks of words start to kind of then instruct the way that you communicate with each other, right? How they start to limit it. Just really uh, sitting with aspects of Gemini, not just the flirty, bubbly, you know, communicative parts, but on a deeper esoteric level of like what makes a twin star. It would be a really great way to prepare yourself as we move toward an aspect that is going to just be really kind of turning over the ground Hmm. and like asking us to look what we've buried in each other. Yeah, there's something about harnessing the curiosity around the intensity that I think is useful uh, Mm -hmm. about this full moon in Gemini and the fact that it happens before Venus goes retrograde and conjoins Pluto for the second time and then eventually a third time after it stations direct um, later in the winter. But that, like, you know, Gemini is a Mercury-ruled sign. Mercury was one of the few gods who could go to every world. Mm -hmm. Um, And and instead of... um, Instead of shying away or ignoring or trying to repress or feeling shameful about the things that come up during during this kind of journey inwards where there is no light, right? Where Venus disappears from us for a little while. um, There's something in there that the, the curiosity and the flexibility and the ability to exist in the liminal and to discover information that is contrary to whatever thesis you are trying to develop about a relationship, about a person, about this intimacy, right? There is something where the tools of Gemini, which are going to come to the forefront in this full moon, can be really useful for navigating this dark space, I think. I really like what you said about curiosity, you know, and, um, and Mercury and thinking about Mercury as the messenger, right. And that, you know, like myths aside, you know, like the messenger is never completely unbiased. No, no, nothing is right. But this, like the kind of prevailing, you know, um, idiom of like not killing the messenger. Right. So (laughs) it's like, like sometimes the relationship, it's just the messenger, like the person, like what's happening between you, your friend or like, or mm-hmm. lover or like whatever, like creative collaborative partner, like sometimes the ruptures between you or the tensions or the negotiations, those are messages about you yeah. and like what 
you are trying to learn about yourself and your, your roles that you take in relationship to other people. Mm -hmm. And also how you imagine, like you can make yourself valuable to others. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that we do because our most tender spots are also where we tend to become the most reactive or defensive, um, that like we do create these feedback loops where we sometimes elicit the response that we expect as a defense mechanism and then respond to that in kind and then take all of that as evidence that we are right all along. Right. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And like, how do you interrupt that or how do you find the space or take the time to go inside and try to figure out like, when's the first time I felt that way? What's a different way to ask these questions? Like what happens when I don't assume that I know what the answer is before I ask also, you know? Yeah, totally. What happens if I don't assume the answer? I feel like this, this is always a great advice for a Mercury retrograde, but we want to say that also, like, if we think about Mercury being co-present with Venus at this Mm -hmm. time, like this is just a great, great time in the year to take some time before responding like just take a beat take a beat and like i'm not talking about three minutes while you write out the whole dialogue (laughs) in your head and then you like type it out i'm talking about like give it a day yeah i promise you that you have a right to that day you have a right to not always be on call you have a right to not always be available that is a very 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 recent construct of being yes we were not this available 10 years ago and we don't have to keep being this available we don't owe it to anybody yeah nobody not your date not your not your ex's new date who needs to talk to you about something <laughs> not, like nobody not, not your a parent, stranger on the but, internet yeah and i mean yeah listen i hear you like i have a senior parent who is like truly like bonkers sometimes i just send her a text she doesn't even know how to text back barely but she can open them and i just send her back a text and i say hey I'm really busy right now. I'll call you tomorrow. Sometimes I lie. Sometimes you have to lie to people who don't like hold reality. Well, sometimes I'll say, Oh, I'm like doing a late night shift, whatever, you know, there, there are definitely people in your life who don't have the right amount of boundary to take your space and respect it, but you have to respect your space. That's the only thing you can do. You can just model how you want it to be. Right. And taking a beat is going to be, fucking instrumental to you actually figuring out why some the things somebody is doing or ways that people are behaving is affecting you the way that they are Mm -hmm. yeah and the beat hopefully helps you start to be able to pull apart like what's mine what's yours what's ours Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because once we're activated You know, once we're really upset or angry or frustrated or scared, we really lose access to so many of like the more nuanced parts of our emotional intelligence, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's a great time to kind of mm, to use Capricorn powers, even if those Capricorn powers aren't like 
always available to Capricorn. <laughs> like one Capricorn power is asking the question, will this be useful? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm not saying that Capricorn natal placements always ask that question yeah. because I don't know if you know this, but Capricorns like to fight. Um, <laughs> they do, they do. Mars is exalted in Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> they love to fucking fight. <laughs> but the truth is that when it comes to other aspects of their life that don't have to do with being righteous, yeah. they will look at something in front of them and offer a project, a plan, and they will say, is this step useful? Yeah. Is this investment useful? Should I take this class? Should I take, should I go in this day? Like every, every little step is so sure-footed as they move toward what they want. Right. Yeah. Just think about that in conflict. If you took a beat and then you're like, I'm going to text this back. Is this useful? (laughs) Well, and, and I particularly like the way you frame it because it's like, yeah, Capricorn as an energy can be incredibly goal oriented. And I think where Capricorn gets really dangerous is when that goal is muddy or when that goal is um, to, to aim to exploit somebody else in some way. But when it's actually mm-hmm. like a, a, about self-improvement or becoming, you know, um, more astute in navigating relationship or whatever it is that you're working towards to be able to be like, does this align with the path towards the thing I'm trying to get? Mm-hmm. Is this going to set mm-hmm. me back? Is this going to drain a bunch of energy without actually even connecting to the person around what I'm trying to communicate? Mm-hmm. Is this going to get us farther apart? I also think there's something, and this is also a Pluto thing about, having the strength and the stamina to not contain the emotion entirely and bury it or not express it, but to hold it in long enough to kind of figure out what the root of it is. And then to be able to actually consciously aim that energy instead of just like letting it kind of flow through you and explode out all over everybody. Like I'm feeling rage. So now you're feeling my rage. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, I'm feeling rage. Why am I feeling rage? Oh, I'm feeling rage because I feel like you are not being respectful of my time right now. Okay, now I can tell you, hey, this really upset me because it made me feel like you don't respect my time. Is there something For else sure. going on? For sure. And you know, you wouldn't have to take the pressure of even like, I mean, I hear, I know exactly what you mean, but you don't even need to take on the pressure of defining it as like finding the root of the feeling. Sure. Cause like literally that might take your whole life. Yeah. It's just like actually feeling your feeling first before like, just like basically being like a, like a Teflon, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't have it. You have it, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Just like, yeah, hold it for a minute. Be like, what is this? And be like, oh, actually, I, I'm not just angry. I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Or Uh-oh. I'm resentful. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, what about this disappoints me? Well, yeah. because I had this kind of expectation. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, did you choose to have that expectation on your own? <laughs> or like, did you have a reasonable sort of, are you reasonably expecting these things? (laughs) You know, just like taking a beat so that you can be accountable. And then when you come back, you can be like, wow, I've thought about it. I'm feeling disappointment. 
some of it is from expectations that, you know, weren't necessarily seated by anybody else. And yet thinking about it now, I do feel like I have a right to these expectations and I need to be in relationship, in partnership, in collaboration with someone who can meet some of these expectations. You know what I mean? Just like really like clean up your side of the street. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you put it so well. It's about like to truly share your feelings. You also like, you can't expect somebody else to sit with it before you have, Mm -hmm. you know? It's actually Mm -hmm. like cruel and unfair and can sometimes be abdicating responsibility for it, you know, to be like, I feel rage. It's your problem now. Like, Well, (laughs) no, it's actually both of our, it might actually just be my problem (laughs) to be honest, right? (laughs) Depending on like what's happening in my life. And if this is one place where I feel like I have power and agency and control and I don't anywhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Oh, and now it's like, Frozen Palace Therapy Corner. I know, maybe we should stop. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sure. You know, actually, I also believe a Venus retrograde, no matter what, is a great time to read a codependent no more book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure every episode (laughs) you find a way to slip that in. (laughs) The lesbians need to know. You're right, you're right. No more. No more, no more. Oh, okay. It comes up everywhere. It's not just about dating. It can yeah. be about your friendships. Yeah, it can be work, about your families. Yeah. It's it's useful, guys. Yeah. You know. Well, I think we've been as useful as we can be today. What do you think? I mean, yes. And do you think that we've given them enough Sagittarian content? I mean, the truth is like, yeah, this is a little bit of a more sober, sad season. Like it's not the best we can do is try to make some meaning out of like all of this collective trauma that we're experiencing. And I think that that is like where the true Sagittarian spirit is coming out right now. (laughs) Yeah. And also I think that there's a, like, I think that Sagittarian spirit actually, no matter what, no matter how much in turmoil a Sagittarius can be, there's a kind of can-do attitude about it. <laughs> like, even when they're, like, in the depths of despair, they're like, I can live in... It's like it's like the dog in the firehouse. Yeah, They'll be yeah, like, this, is, this fine. is fine. I can do this yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is that, like, you know? Ju- Jupiterian, like, unerring optimism, even when, like, maybe some of it should be abandoned. <laughs> <laughs> it's also... Yes, it's, like, optimism, but it's, like, I feel like... Mm. it's also acceptance actually exactly that's yeah. the thing it's, it's that temperance it's that yeah. temperance card journey it's there's a little bit of like well we're here so i've got i've got this like one vessel yeah. full of like just complete discord and distress i might as well fill up this other vessel with some snacks like <laughs> totally yeah and and you know i get i guess that to me too is like in this venus as we approach this venus retrograde as we approach these darker times to like yeah if you have the people like your community that you already know the container is strong enough that you already know this isn't where your like major conflict is coming from like get some laughs in with them you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know who loves bonfires sagittarians if mm-hmm. you're somewhere where you can safely burn a fire outside, fucking get it, get it going. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you also want to like keep looking to Saturn, right? Like mm. this is why we slipped into so much like communication about boundary work yeah. and like rethinking things and taking a step back. Like you want to keep looking to Saturn. You want to keep looking to Aquarius. Mm-hmm. You want to keep looking about into like other ways yeah. of connecting with others and the ones that you have already tread into <laughs> the road. <laughs> truly truly and yeah and and trying to gain perspective and keeping a wider lens you know things can get i mean they get pretty depressing either way to be honest right now but what is that sweet spot where you can not be totally disconnected from consensus reality but also not be so kind of chained to it that like your imagination really withers and you just decide that like this is the all that we're getting and it's never going to get better right because mm-hmm. even if mm-hmm. that's true, um, we're still alive until we're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Great note to end on, I think. Um, so... <laughs> I have Jupiter in the first house, by the way. <laughs> it's funny. I, it's like funny that we're, I mean, you're also like, your Pisces rising, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. you have like Jupiter and Pisces in the first oh, house. Oh, yeah. And I have Sagittarius first house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're like the same. No, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, we both Jupiter ruled. Okay, bye, Kala. <laughs> All right, I'm stopping. Big Dyke Energy is mixed and recorded by Rose Blakelock and features original music by Knight of Cups. 12 Dates of Christmas was filmed in Lake Tahoe, and Gala might get her queer dream after all in the Sex and the City reboot, and just like that. <laughs> <laughs>